Thank you very much, Donna. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Edmund Herzig, and I'm Professor of Persian Studies uh, here at Oxford. And until uh, October, for three years, I was Chair of the Faculty of Oriental Studies, which is the faculty which I suppose is most involved in the study of the Middle East, South Asia, and East Asia uh, among the various departments and faculties of Oxford University. Although, of course, in today's university, it's by, by no means the only centre. I mean, one of, the, one of the big changes that has happened in the study of Asia in Oxford in, in the relatively recent past is that it has gone viral through the university, so that you know, history, politics, business, law, all over the university now uh, are scholars and research students working on different aspects of Asian societies uh, and cultures. My principal role here today is to chair this session and to in introduce uh, uh, the speakers who will follow, or rather to invite them to introduce themselves because uh, it, it's better for, for the podcast if they say who they are and that, and that introduction is connected with what they have to say. But I'm going to take a few minutes of your time first just to say a little bit about the study of what we no longer call the Orient, uh, the study of Asia and the Middle East uh, in Oxford. Uh, and to uh, explain really why it is that we still have a faculty called Oriental Studies uh, uh, and, and what we do today and how it differs from what we did in the past and why what we do today in Oriental Studies in Oxford fits so well with the theme cultural heritage and with the ambitions of the university to develop cultural heritage into a doctoral programme uh, and into uh, a focus for research and study. So Oxford taking the university as a whole, is undoubtedly a world-leading centre for research and teaching in the language, cultures, history and societies of Asia. Uh, and uh, again, Asia is not really much better than Orient because we have to include the Arabic-speaking uh, part of North Africa uh, in that. In Britain, it is certainly the largest uh, centre for the study of Asia outside of London, uh, uh, the, where the School of Oriental and African Studies is the biggest single institution devoted to that subject. In Oxford, uh, or, uh, Oriental Studies goes back certainly uh, 400 years, uh, and the, the subject's 17th and 18th century origins were in linguistics, comparative linguistics and philology and textual study, primarily the study of religious texts, not uh, infrequently for polemical purposes. Gradually, through the 18th, 19th and early 20th centuries, the subject of Oriental Studies broadened out into a much more ambitious and wide-ranging attempt to interpret the remote Orient for the West. And that role, or rather the way that role was conceived and carried out in the era of imperialism and colonialism, has given the name Oriental Studies a bad name in some quarters, where it is uh, sometimes equated with Orientalism and the Eurocentric exoticization of Asia, essentialization of the other, and indeed uh, invidious comparisons between the West and the non-West. Leaving aside the question of how fair a characterization that may be of Oriental studies in the past, it surely does not accurately represent the discipline today, either in Oxford uh, or elsewhere. Uh, we are, Oriental Studies Oxford, a highly international and multidisciplinary uh, faculty 
uh, well connected with other faculties and departments, and indeed my colleagues who are going to speak uh, today are all of them from other uh, parts of the university and not from the Faculty of Oriental Studies. Uh, throughout the humanities, but also in the social sciences, in the college-based centres, the Middle East Centre and the Nissan Centre in St Anthony's, uh, most noticeably, and of course, uh, very shortly also in the uh, China Centre in St Hugh's, which is going to uh, be uh, opening with a new building in a little over a year's time. Uh, we also have strong links with several of the recognised independent centres that are uh, a part of the Oxford scene, the Centre for Hebrew and Jewish Studies, for Islamic Studies, for Buddhist Studies uh, and for Hindu Studies. Uh, many, if not most, of the colleagues working in Oriental Studies are still primarily people who are dealing with the written word, with texts, and I am one of them. I'm a historian and I'm most comfortable sitting in front of a history written in the 17th century and trying to work out what on earth was happening in whatever part of Iran it is that it's describing between the years 1650 and 1663. However, a number of us, a number of us now, are concentrating primarily on material culture, mainly art history, archaeology and numismatics. Uh, and we're doing that in a very wide uh, variety of ways and over a very, very long time frame. Uh, Donna already kindly mentioned the, the student, now postdoc, who uh, is working on the graffiti of the Arab Spring. But without going any further than Egypt, I should mention also that we have colleagues who are working on the pyramids and what was inside them uh, from uh, very much the same place, but very much a different time frame. But for many of us, uh, the study of material culture is something that we have been drawn to uh, and which we now see as something that we uh, are inevitably engaged with simply because one cannot try to understand or to explain or to engage with uh, other cultures, other societies, without trying to draw on the, the fullest possible range of sources uh, uh, that are available, both in our research and in our teaching. I'm currently occupied uh, for part of my time with a project on early Islamic history of a city in northern Afghanistan, a city that used to be called Bactra and is now called Balkh. We have textual sources, but uh, we couldn't get far in studying the history of Balkh uh, without looking also at the extremely detailed satellite photography that is available for the whole of uh, Afghanistan and which can allow us to see things that were there millennia ago as well as things that are there today. Uh, and also uh, the, archaeolo the archaeological evidence and the artefacts that are uh, preserved in museums and collections in Afghanistan and outside. We heard a good deal at the last forum, and we'll hear more today about the extraordinary richness of Oxford's museum and library collections, and I won't uh, dwell on those now, I think they're well known, but I would just like to mention uh, in passing that for those of you who haven't yet been to it, the exhibition in the Bodleian Library of Persian Manuscripts is definitely not to be missed. And I'd like to also point to one collection that is little known but is extremely important for some of my colleagues, and that is the collection of uh, astronomical uh, instruments in the Museum of the History of Science uh, from the Islamic world. Uh, it's, a, it's probably the best, or certainly one of the two or three best collections of its kind in the world. And uh, Oxford is, uh, as we know, full of such often uh, insufficiently well-known and well-exploited treasures. Turning now very briefly to globalisation before I hand over the microphone. I think we're all familiar with the greater ease of communication and travel uh, of today's globalised world. 
And thanks to these, we scholars are now much better connected with our partners, colleagues, projects and institutions in Asian countries than was the case in the past. The traditional image of Orientalist research, a solitary academic uh, poring over an indecipherable manuscript, or perhaps better still, fragment of papyrus uh, in a library, uh, is more and more inadequate to describe what actually goes on. Much of the research that is done today involves collaboration with scholars and institutions in Asia, the extensive use of databases of texts and images whose creation and maintenance requires large investment, sophisticated technology and efficient project planning. And we're going to be hearing more about those uh, in, in, in other fora and indeed something about them uh, uh, later today. Today's Orientalists are no longer in the business of interposing themselves between the subject and their audience, but of seeking to engage with academic and, uh, in some cases, public debate, both at home and in the places that they study. The direct connections of our networked world may make geographically remote places and societies seem present and immediate, but familiarity with images of Japan or of Iran does not help one to understand Japanese or Persian, unfortunately, for our students and for us. So, uh, uh, nor does it necessarily facilitate understanding of the context from which those images are derived. Stereotypes can be projected through new media just as effectively as they could have been by bad old Orientalism. So, uh, uh, and as we are daily reminded on the news, the fact that different parts of the world are in some sense close to, closer together than before does not eliminate or even diminish the dangers of misunderstanding and conflict between nations, societies and cultures, <laughs> all too often carried on in the name of culture or religion. From this perspective, I would argue that this initiative for uh, a, a fuller and better use and understanding of cultural heritage in Oxford is particularly timely. And I would argue also that it is more important than ever to teach Oriental languages to our students and to encourage and help them and a wider audience both to appreciate other cultures and to think critically about culture and cultural assumptions, particularly our own. For our students, many of whom are learning about unfamiliar cultures, Exposure not just to language and to written texts, but to audio and video material, uh, to images and particularly to objects is crucial. Apart from travel, there is nothing more motivating for a student, nothing which gives a stronger sense of immediate connection with the subject than having the opportunity to handle a pot, to feel the rough edges of a coin or to turn the pages of a manuscript. And these are things that we have ex exceptional opportunities and resources to do in Oxford, and which we do, but frankly we should have done, and we certainly in the future should do more of. If I had more time, I would like to expand uh, on some of these themes, and particularly to talk more about the project on Afghanistan, which I'm involved in, and which shows, I think, some of the dangers of globalisation uh, in, in the modern university and the modern cultural heritage world. But time is short, so I'll restrain myself and instead uh, hand over to my colleagues, who are Professor Heather Viles of the Geography Department, Dr Malika Kumbaralandrus uh, of the Ashmolean Museum, Dr. Francesca Leoni, also of the Ashmolean Museum, and Professor Rana Mitter, uh, who is uh, Director-Designate of the China Centre. So uh, we're going to uh, take the, the other presentations in that order. So I'd like to invite uh, Heather Viles now, please, to come to the front. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> 